don't just teach, we demonstrate. And that is, if all you have is teaching on the supernatural, but you don't ever see the supernatural, it just becomes information, but not transformation. And so we are always wanting to recognize what Jesus is doing so that we can expect him to continue to do that. So I want to invite Gary Mancini up. Uh, he shared a testimony this week of uh, one of his friends. And this is the proof of the pudding. This is the real stuff. So congrats, Mike. Let's welcome Gary. Yeah. During worship, when I was listening to what the Lord was saying, He spoke to me about creation, creating, and um, I, I got this picture. Uh, Kathy and I were fortunate enough years ago to get to see Michelangelo's David, the big statue of David. Michelangelo created that as an artist. But that creation keeps on giving. I mean, millions of people keep seeing it and are blessed by it. God creates, and His creation keeps on giving. It doesn't end. And so, this friend of ours, Kathy and I had a, had a friend from high school. We reconnected a couple years ago when we went to a high school reunion. And he was a really good friend. He and I were roommates in uh, my freshman year at school. So, the past couple of years, I've been contacting him regularly. The Lord really put him on my heart. I've been sharing Jesus with him. He's a believer. But he just didn't really understand the fullness of what Jesus did for us and, and the gift that he has given us in the Holy Spirit. So what I was sharing with him, um, and three months ago, four, three or four months ago, I got an email that my friend Larry was now battling pancreatic cancer. And uh, that's like one of the worst cancers. So I called, I, I waited a little time, I didn't want to rush in, but then I called him and I said, Larry, I just, you know, I, and I got an update, I said, I just want to pray for you, so I prayed for you. And um, over the next number of months, I kept contacting him, and he contacted me, and we kept continuing to pray, and we prayed as an intercessory group in the church. The Lord told, or the doctor told him, this is not good, you, the chances are very, very bad. So he went through chemo, went through radiation, and then he called me one day. I, was, I wanted to follow up with him, but I didn't want to intrude. And he called me and said, Gary, I really need your prayer. I've got to go in now for an eight-hour operation. The doctor said, this is the last chance. So we prayed again. And um, I had his wife texting me, keeping me up to date on what was going on. And this week, I got a call from Larry. Come on. I said, how are you doing? And what I've been wanting to hear, he said, oh, man, I'm doing great. The doctor let me out a week early out of the hospital. And he said, when he got in there, he said, usually I get into where the pancreas is, and sometimes it's just mush. It's just totally destroyed. He said, your pancreas was in very good condition. I did the operation. We've done the test, and you are cancer-free. <laughs> Day of prayer. 
but my primary motivation is to get breakthrough in your life. Too much suffering, too much sickness, disease, too much uh, chaos. One intercessor called an onslaught from the enemy. He doesn't have permission to do that. He doesn't have the right to do the things he's done. So we're going to come together like Jehoshaphat. I know the Old Testament, the king called Jehoshaphat had an army come against him that was overwhelming. He even said to the Lord, this enemy is too big for us. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. And he said he gathered everyone, including all the children, and they all stood before the Lord. And they just believed. And then the Spirit of the Lord spoke to one of them and said, all right, this battle is not yours, it's mine. And God wiped out the enemy. But it was because they all came together and presented themselves before the Lord. I'm asking that we do this. And those of you online, online community, I'm asking you, we're going to do our best to have Zoom up for you. If you're not able to come physically, but I want us as a spiritual community to gather and church. Let's come together and let's stop this chaos. Let's wield our swords together in one voice, one heart, one faith, and say no more, Francisco. And let's kick the devil's butt. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So that's this Thursday night from 6 to 8. Let's come to breakthrough. I have this came in my mind. I'll remind you of this story. Um, and then we're going to get into the word today. Uh, as Josh was talking about the walls of Jericho, uh, I believe that's a prophetic word for us and for you right now. But the walls are about to come down. Paul was bedroom with our second born for five months. And, uh, you know, sometimes you don't know which which crack, which which hit that hand will break, crack that rock and break that rock, right? You keep hitting, you keep hitting, you keep hitting, you keep hitting it. Jesus says in uh, Luke 18, 1, I, I wish that everybody would pray and not lose heart. Just keep on praying, keep on praying, keep on praying, because you never know what a fan so it was five months. And it was Sunday morning, getting ready to come uh, serve you guys. Went into the side room, started praying. And uh, so started praying, Lord, I'm whisper praying because hope sleeping, Elliot sleeping. And then the Lord told me to start uh, dancing before him. And so I started dancing before him. And I, I feel silly dancing in a bedroom by myself. That's kind of weird, you know. No music, dancing around. It was a band. And then he says, start declaring Baal Perazim, which is a scripture of the Old Testament of David uh, coming against the enemy. And uh, God gave him strategy from talking about the day. God gave him strategy. And there was a different strategy than the first time he overcame the enemy. He defeated the enemy one way, and the enemy came out again, and God said, I want you to do it differently this time. He did what the Lord told him to do. And he, and, and he defeated the enemy, and he called that place Baal Perazim, which is the God of the great so that is one of the names of God. And so I'm in the, in the bedroom, I'm dancing around, and then he says, start declaring Baal Perazim. I just had this thought in my mind. I'm like, okay. So I start dancing around. Baal Perazim, Baal Perazim, You know, my dog's in the bedroom with me, and, you know, kind of doing this, looking at me like, what are you doing? I'm thinking, what are you doing? I'm just obeying the spirit. That's like, Baal Perazim, Baal Perazim, It's like something broke, something changed. It's just intuitive. I mean, nothing externally happened. I just knew something just broke. That's called spiritual warfare. I went down the hallway into our bedroom. There's hope. Sit straight in her bed, sleeping heal. 
This is living a life of victory. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I had a message all prepared. I sent it off to Josh from the PowerPoint. But um, halfway through the week, I just was impressed. I believe by the Holy Spirit to change my message. I'll teach you another, another one in a couple of weeks. To change my message for a now word for you. But how to live a life of victory. There is just way too much suffering right now. We have uh, Sebastian and Deva. Uh, Deva, if you know Sebastian and Deva, India is getting slaughtered by COVID right now. There's a second wave coming, and they just don't have the infrastructure. They don't have uh, the ability to battle against it. And Deva lost his dad to COVID, his mom's in ICU. And then uh, uh, Sebastian sent a name of her relatives who have been who have COVID and have been affected by it. And uh, I'm gonna, I, I just wanna stop for a minute. I'm gonna pray for them because um, they're really up against it. Uh, will you pray for me right now? Let's pray for Sebastian and Deva and their family. The mother Joyce is in the ICU. Lord, we lift up Joyce before you right now for the complications from COVID. We pray also for family members suffering from COVID. Kavya and Nibby, come on, let's lift these uh, family members up before the Lord. Teja, Dinbu, Hema, Raja, Gia, and following people for COVID exposure. Geta, Pinky, Miha, and Srinivas. Lord, we lift up Deva and Sebastian and their family members in India. Lord, we pray for divine protection, divine coverage, and divine healing, Lord. Also in our own body, we had uh, Phil Williams had a heart attack, and Daryl had, had a stroke, and um, and uh, Mary Jane Messer had heart complications. And so as the intercessors, one tonight, we were looking at this, saying, what is going on with this? I believe that also is talking about the, the heart, the emotional, physical, spiritual parts of people as well. We prayed into that. And Lord, let's... We lift up these people before you too, Lord. We pray for a miraculous recovery, a supernatural strengthening of these precious family members of ours. We also pray, Lord, against depression. There are teenagers in particular that I've been talking to and caring about that are uh, really battling. Uh, I see a teenager nodding their head right now. Really battling emotionally, psychologically, spiritually because of the isolation and all the stuff that they haven't had to go through the loss of their experience. Uh, people having financial difficulties. There's just so much negative that's happened to people right now. They're overwhelmed, anxious. And this is the word that came to my mind and my heart. We feel defeated. People feel defeated. So I want to talk to you today about how to live a victorious life. Because that is who we are by nature, by divine nature. We are sons and daughters of God. God is never anxious, He's never fearful, He's never overwhelmed, and He's never defeated. So how can you and I then live a victorious life in the midst of this kind of environment that we're in? One thing. You have got to hear the voice of God for yourself. I want to turn to a familiar passage. I've already taught on this in the last year, but we're going to do it again because it is relevant. We're going to serve 1 Samuel in chapter 30. 
1 Samuel chapter 3, it doesn't get worse than this. I want you to read your situation and the David situation. Because the same God that David related to is the same God you are relating to. He has not changed. The victories that God has in His hands... The same victory God had in his hand for David, he has for you. Now this may be sacrilegious. I may get in trouble for this. I don't know. But there are portions of the Bible where I've literally crossed out people's names, like David. There's a place in the Bible that says, I have chosen David. And I crossed out his name and I put my name in there in place of his, John. Because David ran his course. He finished his race and now he's in heaven. I'm running that. So now his promise is now my promise. Amen. You have got to apply the word of God to you, for you, and for your family, and for us, and for our church, and for our city, and for our nation, and for the world. We are the ones now that control heaven on earth. But looking at David's situation, you can read your situation into it. I'm going to start in First uh, Samuel chapter 30. And starting in verse 3, it says, So David and his men came to the city, this was their city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. That is, wow. One thing to have a bad day. David didn't ask for this. David was minding his own business on the backside of the desert, playing his guitar and taking care of his dad's sheep. The prophet comes and anoints him and says, you're the next king of Israel. David's like, okay, I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it. I had to pine for this. I'm not ambitious for that. God chose him. And if you know the story of David, he kills Goliath, he gets raised up because of the captain of the army and Saul's army. And then he becomes a general. And then he marries Saul's daughter. So now the king is his father-in-law. And then the king is jealous of David. He's jealous of the anointing. Because they're saying Saul killed thousands. David kills the ten thousands. So Saul then becomes envy. Isn't that envy? That's flesh. The envy which Saul gave into uh, began to drive him to kill his son-in-law. And so now he's driven out of the country. He's, uh, Saul has spread all sorts of lies about him. So he's, he's looked at as um, a defiant, rebellious kid who uh, Israel is supposed to chase down and kill. But it's all about Saul's envy. And so now he's running for three years, living in caves. The people who did band together to him were... 400, came to 600 men who were distressed and dead and, and, and bitter and discouraged. Um, that was his army. I mean, that looks incredibly weak. I'm supposed to be the next king of Israel. I'm living in the enemy's territory because my own people think I'm a criminal and they're trying to kill me. My congregation, my army, are a bunch of people that nobody would ever want to be with. And they're discouraged and they're distressed and they're in debt. And we live in this little town called Ziklag, which is on the backside of the enemy's territory. 
and uh, we're coming home one day, and David has done nothing wrong. David is just serving God. This isn't because of David's sin, it's not because of mistakes in leadership, it's none of that. And he comes into his town, and this is what he finds. His town was burnt to the ground, his sons, daughters, wives, taken captive. Verse 4, then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until he had no more power to weep. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been in such pain, such suffering, such despair that you wept until there was no more power to weep? I have. Anybody else? Gary? Kathy? Christian? Kayla? More? Life is hard. There are times when you are at the end of yourself and there is nowhere to turn. Counseling won't help. Medication won't help. Entertainment won't help. Money won't help. You can't pick yourself up, talk yourself out of it. Then David and the people were with them, lifted up their voices, wept until they had no more power to wait. That is happening right now in people's lives. This is the condition many people are in. And David's two wives had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed. And I know it's going to be a good message and this is my sermon. When I would do the old school where I pull up the yellow pad and just a bunch of chicken scratch on it, you know it's going to be a good sermon. The word distressed there literally means suffering from anxiety, sorrow, and pain. David, the man of God, the man after God's own heart, was suffering from anxiety, sorrow, and pain. But it says not just that, but he was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was bitter and grieved. So now, David doesn't even have the support of the 600 hooligans that had been chanting his name and will follow you anywhere you go. Now, they even want to kill David. It's over. David's got to be thinking, what happened to that prophecy? What happened when God called me? I mean, I remember he anointed me in front of my dad and my brothers and my mom. I killed Goliath. I killed a bear. I killed a lion. I was a general in the army. I married the king's daughter. What happened? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever asked those kind of again? A lot of nodding going on over there. You know David felt defeated. So what did David do? Because if you know the rest of David's story, he became the greatest king Israel ever had, and you didn't mess with David. He'd be singing a song in one moment, and the next moment he slides on your head with the sword. You don't mess with him. How did he get there from this moment in time? It looked like it was all over. One thing. One thing made a difference in David's life, and it's one thing that makes a difference in your life. Let's read it. Everybody say, but. but. All right.
All right, there are some big butts in the Bible. And this is one of them. <laughs> this is one of the biggest butts in the entire Bible. Over to say, but! But! Yeah, see that butt is a turnaround right there. This butt right here is the difference between life and death, defeat and victory. But David strengthened himself. Say that loud. Come on. In the Lord. In the Lord. Thank God David had already worn out a pathway into the presence of God. When you had nowhere to turn, no one to turn to, there was no answer for your situation, there seemed to be no hope. If you have already worn out a pathway into the presence of God, you know how to get there, you know how to get there quickly. And that's, thank God, David had spent days and nights and years in boring prayer. Did you know that long, boring private prayers are what produce short, powerful public prayers? When you spend hours and hours and hours and boring prayer, laboring in prayer, pressing through in prayer, when it doesn't seem like anything's happening, that's how you can walk into a situation and just pray one quick prayer, one word, and bam, things happen. People say, wow. Like the disciples said to Jesus, teach us to pray the way you pray. Because Jesus, the Son of God, spent all night in prayer a lot. It says, as his habit was, he would ride way before the sun came up. And pray to the Father. That's how Jesus can come out and offer it with such power, with such short prayer. Cast out the Spirit with the Word. He didn't wrestle with demons. He didn't fight against them all night long. With the Word, he cast them out. David had learned how to get into the presence of God. There's two things the presence of God will do for you when you're in that condition. You'll get strength and you'll get strategy. Everybody say strength and strategy. Strength and strategy. Now say it again. Strength and strategy. Strength and strategy. This is what you'll get in the presence of the Lord. When the Lord speaks to you, Chris, the first thing that happens is strength enters your soul. I know what I'm talking about. Because this isn't theory to me. I just did it Saturday. I was walking yesterday. I'm walking down the airport road. There's a road that's about a mile and a half. And it goes down by the airport in Ramona. And nobody's out there because it's Ramona. And it's an airport, it's about this big, and they got this big long road going that way and a big long road going that way. That's my pathway to the presence of God. I've worn that black top out. And I'm walking down that road yesterday, and I'm dealing with discouragement, I'm dealing with confusion, I'm dealing with emotions, I'm dealing with the same stuff you all deal with. And it's like, you know, every day you have to deal with a certain measure of that. Other days you feel like you're, you're swimming in it, it's over your head. And I'm walking down that airport road, and I'm like, I know where to go. You know, I called Mark. I thought, I got to call a friend. This was Saturday before. I thought, I got to call somebody, man. I called Mark. He wouldn't need any help. And so I'm like, well, where do I go now? And I called one of my best friends. All he said to me, here's why he wasn't any help. He said, what's the Lord saying to you? I was like, I don't know. That's what I'm calling you. He wouldn't give me anything. He turned me back to the Lord. I'm like, I know. I mean, I've been praying to the Lord about, you know, answers to certain problems and stuff, but I wasn't asking the Lord what he had to say about whatever he wanted to say. 
Because sometimes you're running so fast, there's so many things you got to deal with. You just need answers from the Lord. You're moving quickly, right? And I wasn't settling down and getting, just letting the Lord say whatever He wanted to say about whatever He wanted to say. And so that's what I did. Mark, He says something really wise. He says, Son, many times the Lord will give you a word that's not even related to what you're asking Him about. But what He will say, He will touch you in your emotions. They'll touch you to the core of your being and will strengthen you and give you what you need, even if it's not an answer to your problem. And that's exactly what happened. Remember the psalmist said in Psalm 138, verse 3, one of my favorite verses, in my distress, I don't know if you're going to have this out here, uh, is uh, Psalm 138, verse 3. In my distress, I'm say, in my distress, remember the word distress, my anxiety, my suffering, and my pain. In my distress, I cry out to you, to you, and you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. Oh, come on, Christian. One word from God to you will make you bold with strength in your soul. Now, once you are bold with strength in your soul, now you have what you need to take care of whatever needs to be taken care of. And the second thing you're going to get is strategy. Look what happened to David. Strength came to his soul. Then in verse 7, then David said, Hey, Garethar, the priest, and then my son, please bring the ephod here to me. And the brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this truth? Shall I overtake them? And he answered and said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. And without fail, you shall recover all. I know this is basic, but are you doing it? My former pastor once, he became the, one of the youngest pastors of a huge megachurch in Texas. And he sat behind the desk. And uh, an old Presbyterian pastor walked into his office and sat down and said, Son, I need to ask you a question. So Daddy said, uh, you put on the armor of God every day? And my pastor said, well, you know, I do have a, uh, a, a doctor in uh, theology, and I know the armor of God. And uh, he started telling all the Greek words for all the different pieces of the armor. He started telling all about the armor of God. So when he gets done, you know, pontificating on the armor of God, the old man said, I didn't ask you. If you know about the armor of God, I'm asking you, do you put it on every day? Because you're going to need it. <laughs> yeah. When I'm talking to you today about strengthening yourself in the Lord and hearing the voice of God for yourself so you can have strength and strategy, I'm not asking if you know what I'm saying is true. I'm asking you to do it. Are you? And here's the great thing. God wants to talk to every single one of you. Just like Paul wants to talk to every single one of you. I can't believe what he said to me, Mark. I'm not going to share it with him personally. But it took care of nothing outside. It took care of everything inside. It gave me the energy, the confidence, the strength, the clarity that I need. I'm 
How many of you need that? Come on, be honest. Raise your hand. How many of you need what I'm talking about today? Yeah. Well, he's available. But you got to wear out that pathway of the presence of God for yourself. Nobody can do it for you. Isn't that, isn't that amazing that David knew where to go? He had nowhere else to go. But I'll tell you, uh, in a lot of counseling, I don't say this to, to be condemning. I understand it's real. When we counsel so many people, like when Mark said to me, what is God saying? You know, I was able to say, I don't know. What I said to him was, I don't know. I'll find out and I'll call you back. But so many people don't know how to hear from God for themselves. Let me just give you a plethora of ways that God speaking will speak to you. He's not making it hard. He wants to talk to you because He cares about you so much. He wants to speak to you. He'll speak to you through a sermon. He may be speaking to you right now. As I'm preaching, that's what preaching is. Listen for the voice in the voice. I'll just be preaching, but you'll hear something and say, that is from God for me. you got to own that and let it go in. You can hear the Lord through the Word of God. You can hear the voice of God and somebody's just talking to you and they say a phrase that maybe you prayed to the Lord the night before. And you're like, oh my God. God spoke to a prophet in the Old Testament through a donkey. An actual donkey. Not metaphorically. Spoke to a prophet. God will speak to you through prophecy. That's all we have. Leaders come up at the end of the service and pray with you. Come up for prayer. Many times they'll get a word of prophecy for you. A divine word is just for you. The Lord will speak to you through impressions. You just have an impression deep in your heart. I believe this is what the Lord is saying. The Lord will speak to you through dreams. The Lord will speak to you in so many different ways as He wants to be close to you. Pressure. So much pressure that blood is coming out of his face. 
He did not want to do what the Lord wanted him to do, which was to go to the cross. Not just the pain of the cross, but absorbing sin into his body, which he had never tasted before. Separated from the Father, which he had never been before. That was the greatest agony of the cross. And he said, is there any other way? Jesus had worn out a pathway into the presence of his Father. In the Garden of Gethsemane, where he would go. We have to have a consistent place where you go to be with the Lord. I heard a story this week from a teenager in our church who was in a really bad place. And, and one of the leaders said, spend 15 minutes a day alone with God. And they started doing that, and it changed everything. Not externally, but internally. His presence is the key. Even Jesus, Michaela, needed to be strengthened. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, crying out to the Father. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he cried out with vehement tears to him who could rescue him. That's Jesus. Jesus turned to his best friends and said, pray with me. And they said, no. I, I, I'm not talking to you again, Lord. <laughs> no. Jesus turned me back to the Lord. Jesus said to his three best friends, please pray with me. And they fell asleep and said, thank God Jesus knew how to turn to the Father. And you know what the Bible says? God sent an angel and strengthened him. So don't feel bad if you're scourged or oppressed or angry or lonely or frustrated. Halt is the right acronym. H-A-L-T. Don't make decisions when you're hurting. Hello? Uh, uh, halt. Angry. Angry. Thank you, Sam. You're nice. Yeah. BK. Uh-huh. <laughs> when you're hurting. Angry, lonely, or tired. Everybody say halt. Halt. Say it again. Halt. 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 Say say hurry. Angry. 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 Lonely. lonely. Tired. tired. Don't make decisions. The Lord wants to strengthen you and give you strategy. Tomorrow he's in the desert asking God to kill him. 
can't make decisions out of fear. I hate fear. What did the Lord do? As he's laying in the desert, sleeping, hoping when he, he'll die in his sleep. I, I, sorry to say this. I hope this doesn't shock you. I have felt, I felt that before in my life. I just hope I'm going to go to sleep and I just hope that I don't wake up. I just want to go home and be with Jesus. Anybody ever felt that before? Be honest enough just to do this quietly. It's not like you just don't let the whole church see There's one. There's, there's, oh, she's <laughs> Yeah. You see this honesty right here is how you get grace, by the way. If you're going to pose and pretend to keep going, you got it all together, you're not going to experience grace. You're going to be on human power. It's in your weakness that God's strength shows up. And so there's Elijah laying in the, laying in the, the, the sand, wanting God to kill him. Instead, getting, getting killed, an angel comes and just chases him and says, Hey, wakes him up. Makes him ground. Give an angel food and some water. And then he eats. And then he eats and he goes back to sleep. And then the angel kicks him again. Wakes up, gives him more water, some angel food. And he says, all right, follow me. So that angel food, God food, that represents the voice of God. He said he went to strengthen that food for 20 days. Where did he go? To the mountain of God. Why? Because God wanted to speak to him. He whispered to him. What happened to Elijah when God whispered to him? Strengthened him and gave him strategy. He was a, he was a, he was a martyr. Like I'm the one who left. The guy said, "That's not true. I've got seven thousand followers." And I took that martyr spirit out of him, and he came back into his calling. And then he said, "Now I want you to go anoint this person, anoint that person, anoint that person." And he went back into his ministry. This is this is kind of awesome. God's not going to shame you for where you are, but He wants to speak to you to get you up and out of where you are. Somebody say amen. amen. Satan is having a field day right now, pushing people's buttons. Don't make a decision out of fear like Elijah. I want to tell you a few more stories out of the Bible and we're going to pray. We're going to come to the Lord together today. I know it's chilly out here, but we're going to be inside in just a few weeks, so it's all going to change. I don't want you to feel bad about being in the condition you might be in or maybe you've been in or maybe one day you'll be in. You're human on the side of heaven. You're going to experience the valley of the shadow of death more than once. Because some of the greatest men and women of God in the Bible had the exact same experience as you did, but they got out of them by hearing the voice of God. Asaph, the seer, Psalm 73. He's been in Psalm 73. He was so... Angry, frustrated, and discouraged because the wicked were prospering and the righteous were suffering. And he couldn't figure it out. He said, it's not right. He said, I cleanse my hands and my heart in vain. The wicked, they prosper. They go free. Nothing happens to them. He was so, oh, he was so, he couldn't, he couldn't resolve the dissonance between the righteous doing the right thing and serving God and seeing them suffer and the wicked not serving God and not suffering. It was driving him mad. And then he decided to get into the presence of God. Woo! 
It says in Psalm 73, and then I decided to go in to the presence of God, or I went to the house of God. He said, and then I understood therein. He went into the house of God, and the Lord explained to him what he was doing and what the end result was going to look like. Same thing happened to Habakkuk. Habakkuk, same thing. He said, justice failed. There's no truth in the streets. The wicked prosper. The greedy are in control. There's, there's a line in, in the government and in the church and in society. You read Habakkuk chapter 1. And it looks like right now what we're dealing with. There's hypocrisy, there's lying, there's manipulation, there's propaganda, there's control, there's, there's injustices. I mean, he was crying out to God about the condition of the world, his nation at that time. It's no different. And then he says this powerful verse, chapter 2, verse 1. Now that I've voiced my complaint, now I'm going to stand here and listen to the Lord and see how he will correct me. How he will correct me. He knew that he was operating out of his flesh, out of his anger, out of his depression, out of his anxiety. He knew I'm, I'm operating out of my humanness. Now that I've got it all out to the Lord, now I'm just standing here and listening to what he has to say and how he will correct it. And he did correct it. And what he told him was a couple things. I see everything, and I have a plan. But it's not time yet. And that's where you get the great hymn of faith in the end of the book of Habakkuk. That even if there's no herd in the stalls and no grapes on the vines, yet I will celebrate and rejoice in the Lord my God because God spoke to him. How did he get from that one condition of complete despair to the next condition of one of the greatest hymns of faith in the entire Bible? One thing. Heard the voice of God. Let's all stand. Asaph, Psalm 73. There's a real important word on the Savior right now. Asaph was a seer. That means that he was he had prophetic vision for the future. He was a seer. He would go to the king and he would say, I see what the Lord is doing. And he would instruct the king. He was a seer, a prophet. And yet because he was so bagged up in his own fear, in his own emotion, in his own anger, he couldn't see. Until he went into the house of the Lord. And then he could see. Come on. And this is what he said. After I got into the presence of the Lord and heard his voice about my situation, then I could see clearly. And then he said this, thank God I went into the presence of the Lord because I was about to start saying what I was feeling. And listen, if I had done that, he says, I would have done a disservice to the next generation. My kids would hear me. Not trusting the Lord. I would I would ruin their ability to trust the Lord because I'm operating out of my flesh. He said, Thank God I went to the house of the Lord and got a word from the Lord. 
so that I did not do a disservice to my children who were watching me. Oh, 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 oh. Come on. Come on, let's just lift our hands to the Lord this morning. Come on. Come on. You're David and Ziklag, you need a voice of the, voice of the Lord. Just say, Lord, strengthen me and give me divine strategy. Strengthen strategy. Come on, you just between you and the Lord right now. Come on. Say, Lord, you gotta speak to me. You need to speak to me, Lord. Don't let me make decisions out of my flesh, my anger, my depression, my anxiety, my fear. Speak to me, Lord. Just tell them that. Say, it. speak to me, Lord. I need to hear your voice. Just close your eyes. We're going to hear, many of you are going to hear from the Lord right here now. Because he's here. together on the pathway to the presence of God. Lord, there are people here in Ziklag, physically, emotionally, relationally, financially, spiritually, ministry. Speak, Lord. I'm going to ask you, as we're standing there together in the presence of the Lord, grab a hold of that thing that is greatly distressing you or things. Ask the Holy Spirit, bring up into my heart and my mind the things that are greatly distressing me. Just let them come up. Don't be afraid of them. Just let them How many of you believe the Lord just spoke to you? Spoke to your heart, thought in your mind, went over here, over here, over here. Oh, he's really speaking to you. Over here, over here. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. Because here's the reality, family of God. I'm going to say this to you. I'm going to say this to you online. We are walking through a minefield right now. Politically, Racially, economically, ministerially, in churches, in marriages, job. We're walking through a minefield. You cannot afford to step on a landmine because you are operating out of fear, anger, loneliness, depression, frustration, anxiety. You can't afford it right now. We are the people of God. We walk by the voice of God. 
and we become sons and daughters of God by being peacemakers, not division. We don't, we don't, we're not divisive, peacemakers, because we follow the voice of God. Well, let's get up in His presence and we close out today. Josh, lead us up in his presence. Come on, continue to let the Lord speak to your heart and mind. Strength and strategy. Come on, he'll give it to you. Strength and strategy. For your mercy never fails Strength and strategy. All my days have been held in your hands. From the
got a good one, Sam? Yes. All right. <laughs> Commending his father. <laughs> I want to ask the prayer team to come up here. Gary, Kathy, please come out. Would you pray with the sick? Uh, you know, when somebody has prayed uh, healing into somebody, there's going to be an anointing there, healing of cancer. It's pretty uh, awesome. And uh, I'm going to ask others to come up as well, elders to come up. Uh, ministry leaders come up. Let's pray for the sick. Maybe um, you just need prayer over what we talked about today. I just got a word of knowledge. Hang on to a I just got a word of knowledge that there's a teenager that has been uh, considering suicide. And uh, I don't want to call you out, but I do want you to, uh, as people begin to shuffle around and we have prayer teams up here, um, I want you to come up and Please let us pray for you because that is not the voice of God. And uh, in fact, you've been defeated, not just right now, but it's, it's a voice that has plagued you and uh, it's demonic. And uh, it's telling you that you have brought this on yourself, that you are a loser and that you deserve to die. That, that is a demonic, that is a demon speaking to you. And these prayer teams are going to break that thing and you're going to be set free. If that's you, uh, as people begin to come up for a prayer, just, just please do not not come up. You need to come up and get set free today. And uh, if you need healing in your body, you need any other kind of prayer. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to tell you that salvation is a free gift. You cannot earn it. Um, Jesus is here to give it to you freely. If you've never given your life to Jesus for forgiveness of your sins, please make your way up one of these prayer teams. Let them pray for you. Um, some of you are still being deeply touched by the Lord right now. I'm going to ask Josh just to sing another song. But you're free to stay. You're free to go. You're free to come up for prayer. Don't forget next Sunday is Mother's Day. We're going to have a gift for every mom. And we have a photographer coming that's going to do that photo booth deal. So you're going to get a picture for you and your family. It's going to be a great day on next Sunday. And it's going to be a little warmer. That'll be nice. So, all right. So come up for prayer. You can hang out and socialize, or you can slip on out. God bless you guys.